I lost the ability to play guitar. I lost the ability to tour, but I could still make art, you know, it's just different. So I think the art really helped me. The cup is half full or half empty, and it's half full for me. Welcome to Art Heals, a podcast about arts and mental health and the people who create to heal. In each episode, we interview someone who uses art for their own healing or who creates work to raise awareness about mental health challenges. I'd like to acknowledge that we are gathered on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam nations. Today you'll meet Sylvie McCormack, an award-winning musician and composer who turned to soundscapes after being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Co-producer Serena and I catch up with Sylvie in Vancouver's Stanley Park. Once we spot her in her electric wheelchair, we get to work, listening. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, do, ti, la, so, fa, mi, re, do. <laughs> I'm Sylvie McCormack, and I'm here with Elaine and Serena, and we're in Coast Salish territory. Where we are specifically is a place in Vancouver, it's called Stanley Park. And we are in the rhododendron garden. It's beautiful. It blossoms every spring in various colors. Our visit takes place in the fall. Trees blaze orange and red. It's a crisp, sunny day, and we're more interested in sounds. Sylvie tilts her head as she listens to birds, planes, and people. So I would respond to the environment, what's happening. Like just now, we were talking about possibilities and then I was went quiet there because I heard somebody walking and I thought that would be a beautiful sound and walking is a lovely thing. Why is my hearing really good? I don't know, um, but it's certainly, I don't know, genetic. Um, we all have the same body, but different plumbing. And so I, I was a singer-songwriter. I liked writing poems, which became then songs. That was my first love. And so when I heard electroacoustic music, that was my second love, the soundscape. Oh my God, you can make music with train sounds and bird sounds. I loved sounds, um, people's voices, the stories of their their ancestors, um, the stories of the children, hearing a baby being born, spinning a piano around a room in eight channels, surround sound, it's really fascinating what you can actually do. Like, so you're, you're, my ears opened wider. Soundscape has an intention, like whereas music concrete is more to do with sound, pure sound. So soundscape composition uses the sound within a context, like maybe I would record the sound of a train and talk about the history of that train, or have somebody's imaginative journey from those train sounds. But it w that would give you a context rather than just use it as a pure sound. We move near the daycare center, the edge of the park. Once again, we open our ears. That would be sonic gold there because you heard the kids counting. It has a reference of a happy playing. And here's your beautiful dog. 
the fairy. Hi. Hi. Bye. Okay, I'll, next year if I do the soundscape again, I want to record the kids, you know. So I love it here. Like this is one of my favorite places. Because of the happy sounds, sounds of kids learning and growing. We follow Sylvie's electric wheelchair towards the West End. Sylvie has MS, multiple sclerosis, and she relies on her power chair to get around. Just as we approach oh. the street, the wheelchair stalls to a beep. Um, well, I'm worried about the hill and, um, oh, shoot. So this is the reality, you know, and if you talk about disability and mental health, it's like, oh, this could be a bit stressful. Okay, watch out there, because I'm going to roll a bit down. Downhill does the trick, and we're back on our way. I asked Sylvie what kind of reaction she gets to being in a wheelchair. I get all sorts, you know. I've been sitting on the street and someone will bring me food, even though I don't need to have their food, but they think I might need it, which is nice. It's nice that people reach out. And that's why I say, I, am I a composer disguised as a bag lady in a wheelchair, or am I a bag lady? And there's so many ways of manipulation too. It's like, do you want me to heal you? Put my hands on you. Would you like to come to my church? And, and, and actually one fellow did that to me on the bus. You know, do you want me to lay my hands on you? And I'm like, no, just let me out. The, and it was like, oh, please, you know. You know, generally it's like I, I trust people unless I'm given, you know, a sign that a red light that I shouldn't. I don't want to be afraid of people either. I love people in my community and... So we want to be careful not to um, kind of uh, destroy the compassion that we developed within the human race. really influenced by the music of the people here and, and the immigrants that have come here in the world and here we are in a little part of the world, you know, and I'm, I'm just a, a little person in a vast cosmos, right? I'm turning 06 next year, you know, and I've got this honking electric pram man and it's like, I'm happy, I'm cared for. I'm, I'm well, I have a home, I have food, and my purpose here, I suppose, is to compose and to give back to community in that way, um, sharing something that's beautiful and significant, I suppose, if I have a purpose. Sylvie buzzes down the road to her apartment. Dodging cars and cyclists looks dangerous, but Sylvie says it's easier than braving the route-torn sidewalks. I'm, I'm always like um, letting people know I'm coming through or here or, you know, excuse me or... And, and most people are wonderful, like you ask about being in the wheelchair, most people are just so helpful and gracious. And there's just a few mean people, you know. A few minutes later, we arrive at Sylvie's building. Hello. Now I'm going to have to go up the ramp. Oh, 
Would you mind grabbing that door if it opens? Because my clicker is not. Um... Okay, open, please. Got it. <laughs> there you go. Thanks. All right, we'll floor me down. Sylvie whizzes down the carpeted hallway to her apartment. We're greeted by a skull with a mohawk instead of a doormat. We enter the main room to discover a treasure trove of paintings, sculptures, and memories. And so you can see that Sarah the elephant is, is a representation of the elephant that Mum rode in the Dublin Zoo. And she's in our movie, Patience and Absurdity. Mum is walking with her on the walker down the seawall. It was so pretty. And then that's Corinne Hunt, who did the 2010 Olympic medals. Uh, you can see the round disc of the medal. And so I bought that at a fundraiser. We open the patio door wide as a COVID precaution. Then we settle in for more of Sylvie's story. Mom and Dad came from Ireland in 56, and I was born here. My grandmother was a, a amateur opera and a musical theatre in the Abbey and Gady Theatres in Dublin, Ireland, and I think that just must have passed through me. Mum was not an artist, but she had five children and just very artistic sensibility, and uh, I think that the music was always within my family and, and the love of language, so that came through me, and... At 13, a friend gave me a guitar and I started to make up songs and so became one of the girls with guitars in, in Vancouver, Lower Mainland area. Like I say, folk rock was my first love. Uh, Buffy St. Marie, uh, Joni Mitchell, uh, Bruce Coburn, that kind of field of songwriter where you're maybe expressing something about the world and how you feel about it, personal as political and... and I remember one of my aunts saying, you know, why are you writing such depressing music all the time? I've been looking all my life. Sylvie was raised by her mother, never far from the Vancouver waterfront. But it wasn't until adulthood that she understood the troubling history of the place she called home. As I grew older, I just became a poet and philosopher. So I was wandering on Kitsilano and writing things and thinking and swimming in Kitts Beach and just feeling so, um, I lived a idyllic life with mum raising me. I lived in Kitsilano and in the West End. And it was only later that I learned in the Utsum Witness project, then I was asking Chief Bill Williams um, about the history here and he was saying you know 1905 people were forcibly removed from Kitsilano and um, that really influenced me to know that the place that I swam people had been pushed off their land and then learning um, what the history of Canada and the pain that people have suffered the railway being built by um, Asian descents and Irish descents, and um, many people lost their lives on that railway, and it was stolen land in Canada. You know, it's just so sad. Families have been destroyed through war, and, and you know, we can call them colonizers or warriors. And the poor people who came across that 
were hurting the people here were the poorest people sent over here on the boat to build up what we have today. So it is our collective responsibility to take care of the people in our community. Growing up athletic and artistic, Sylvie never imagined that she'd need care herself. At the age of 21, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I was an athlete. I remember winning, like, baseball awards, and and I remember cycling from UBC almost as a few and back. You know, it was, I was just loved to move. And when I moved to Nelson for a while as a picture framer, that was my trade. I was a picture framer, and then I was a girl with guitar also. I I knew that I couldn't carry, like, six feet by three feet pieces of glass and cut them and so then I looked into retraining and that was why I was on the way to become a educator a teacher then the MS just took over and it was like there was no way I was tired all the time for a month and my mom often said that maybe I caught it up there there's a pulp mill there there's a big pocket of MS we don't know whether it's environmental or or genetic or or stress or whatever or it could be an umbrella term for many illnesses so I got better then I got sick and I got better and so it would be like that for many years until I started to really lose the ability to walk I can't walk anymore I can still stand a little bit but you could push me over with a feather and um, so I'm in a power chair um, and it's lovely. It's a mini convertible Hummer. I zip around, and so I'm 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 gifted. I'm cursed and blessed. I'm cursed with the multiple sclerosis, but I'm also blessed with community and the support of community. I really only have my left arm um, and hand working. I can grip with my right, and um, but it's really only my left hand and my mouth, my eyes. Um, MS has often a bipolarity, you know, you go up, you go down, you're physically like able to walk one minute and next you're not. So you're going to deal with the ups and downs. So I think that music really helped me throughout life to articulate and to understand what was happening in the world, in my world. As her motor skills declined, Sylvie traded guitar for other modes of expression. Along the way, she discovered soundscape, an art form she could still pursue with the help of technology. She enrolled in a program at Simon Fraser University and was soon immersed in a whole new acoustic world. There he was studying with Barry Trucks and he played a lot of composers and discussed their work. And uh, then he played one of Hildegard's piece and I, I think it was called was it called Talking Rain or various pieces of hers, and discussed, you know, the field of soundscape composition. Speaking of soundscape, here we are, and there's my washer telling us that it's still in process of going. So then introducing her work in class, then I was inspired to create a soundscape portrait of Hildegard Westerkamp called Voices of a Place. So I did the essay, a talking Rain, and then went, went to various organizations, so it played all around the world, versus the folk rock, you know, I was trying to, da, da, da. And, and it felt easier, it felt like I was in the music studio again. Hildegard Westerkamp, she was part of the starting of the co-op radio, she put the microphone outside the window, 
I created a soundscape of Corp Radio and included one of her early works about the soundscape and her voice is there, and we're talking about 1970s. So it's like overlapping. Like I say, my work is similar to the sound of Hildegard's, different than Barry's, which is wonderfully, deals with soundscape, but he puts it through granular synthesis, and you go into this wonderful imaginary world. So is she a mentor? I think her as well as Barry, certainly in the sense that she's around and, and her work uh, greatly influenced with the sound of it, like the sound of walking and the sound of water and how she used it and transformed it. Soon, Sylvie was producing her own pieces, like Changing Times for Co-op Radio. She was drawn to the plight of Indigenous peoples in Canada. In the First World, the Indigenous people of the First World have the most beautiful land of milk and honey. We have people from lands invading and abusing our land. When the trees start dying, we start dying also. I had composed Co-op Radio Changing Times. And so I had looped Buffy St. Marie's music backwards and I put it with a First Nation woman talking about children being um, stolen and the, the foster system and within that whole soundscape, which included music and people, interviews, talking, um, sounds of the 12 o'clock horn. In 1997, Sylvie got involved with the Utsam Witness Project. Being called to witness in the Coast Salish tradition is a sacred honour. Once someone has witnessed what has happened, they're responsible for bringing it back into their community and spreading the word. This time, it was to save a sacred forest on Squamish territory from logging. What was supposed to last one summer turned into a 10-year program involving 10,000 people involved in cross-cultural ceremony, art, and storytelling. Sylvie produced the soundtrack with all proceeds going to the Wilderness Education Program. Fortunately, the group was successful in preserving the land and bringing it under protection of the Squamish nation. It's a um, witness. Witness is when you are given a shell or a coin to remember, remember what happened, that the birth, the marriages, the deaths, whatever's happening in the community. So then I asked my friend C. Swice, would she like to co-produce an album? So then she said yes. So we got some First Nation people and some, um, uh, like, Barry Trucks, um, Hildegard Westerkamp, um, Bruce Coburn, and um, and other local people, Sandy Schofield, a few of my songs, really made a big impact on me. You know, it's like I, I intuitively knew it growing up, and I was really influenced by the music of the First Nation people here, but then it was the Utsum Witness which really opened up my eyes. I know that by my privilege, other people were treated unfairly. I just know that a lot of people are hurting and, and a lot of the capitalism is structured so that people at the top make a lot of money. Like, I know it's really important resource, you know, but it's also really important to take care of the land and the people and to have a balance between that. Since the beginning of her soundscape journey, Sylvie has been involved with a non-profit, Vancouver Adapted Music Society, or VAMS. 
It was founded by Sam Sullivan and Dave Symington in 1988. BAMS offers a musical studio for people with disabilities as well as other musical um, options. They go into Sunny Hill, I think it's called, and work with people with disabilities um, with recording so they can record. They've created an environment that you can go into the studio and create something that you want. It could be any genre. You've just got the studio there. There are are lessons um, you can take. Uh, We have volunteers go in. So I've been involved with that a long time. And 1997 or 98, I went into the organization and I said, I had this idea at SFU to create wheel soundscapes. And it came to me from hearing about the radio ballads, which were done by Peggy Seeger and Ewan McCall and Charles Parker. He was a producer at BBC. And they had created um, soundscapes with the voices of people with arthritis. So it was the first piece about people with disabilities. So from there, I thought, oh, well, that's wonderful. So I created the Wheel Soundscapes, Voices of People with Disabilities, and I would put the word out that I was doing this project and various people would come in. And then number seven was I wanted to do a really large work and I recorded uh, Dal Richards and used some of his work, Dal Richards and Friends, and had little, like almost a hundred people of various disabilities speaking or contributing to it. I was Onto the railway lines, train ran right over me. One of the portraits is of myself, and it's called Railway Lines, Trains of Thought. And um, I talk about getting sick and getting better, getting sick and getting better. I wrote the song, it's called Railway Lines, so I put that song within the soundscape with the little trains and the big trains, and um, recently then, I put out an album and I just put out the song, the song itself, um, called Railway Lines Acoustic Tracks, because it was just me with my friend uh, Gordon Cobb um, singing in that song. I was born onto the railway lines, train ran right over me, couldn't see it coming, couldn't hear it coming, his love is blind. Did you see it coming? Love is I have had extreme bouts of depression, perhaps because of genetics, but also because of circumstance. As an artist, often people will come into your life and say, oh, you know, I'd like to manage you, I'll take care of you. And then all of a sudden, you're messed up and you don't know light from day and your family is far away and you feel like you're on a different planet and that's what happened to me once and then again it happened where I was um, in a group situation and I was kind of the odd girl out and it was very difficult whispered about and verbally and physically abused I would say So all of that really confused me to the point where I had to actually phone a crisis line and say, is this behavior abusive? Is this behavior abusive? Uh, If I'm autistic, uh, uh, Asperger's, 
I'm artistic and artistic. I didn't understand signals. And so the last time, it was like I'd had enough, you know. Uh, um, and I'm glad I didn't commit suicide because, you know, I'm so happy today. Um, and being gifted the music and, and making sense of my illness, having the music and the art and poetry allowing me to articulate, to make beauty and to talk about the pain and suffering, to address it all, right? So you've got the good and the bad. So how do you find the courage to keep on going? Because I'm still alive. I lost the ability to play guitar. I lost the ability to tour, but I could still make art, you know? It's just different. It's like, so I think the art really helped me. The cup is half full or half empty, and it's half full for me. Only you know what you went through and what you're living in your personal experience. And you can't compare yourself to someone else. You just have to try to walk peacefully. And then if you recognize something's wrong, you, you know, you don't take it all on yourself. We spoke of memories and places we've been. So in 2012, you won Vancouver's Most Remarkable Woman Award. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I was one of 12, and it was an honor that the city of Vancouver did for several years. So I never wanted to be a star or do the music. I just always wanted to share and be creative. And, you know, it's really hard to talk about myself and even to talk about, like, the composition that I'm doing right now because I'm in it, right? And... um so I would, I would say, ask somebody else. The same year Sylvie was honored as one of Vancouver's most remarkable women, she released her first documentary film. It was about her relationship with her mother, an elder facing dementia, and a daughter Sometimes with MS. Sometimes the dreams that have gone are not as good as the dreams that are to be. Kickstart. Society for Disability Arts and Culture had a um, call for a producer with a disability. So I co-produced the movie called Patients and Absurdity, and it was a documentary of my mom with dementia and myself with multiple sclerosis and, and you know, our life and how we were coping. And, and um, people said that it was moving and, and it was funny and... Uh, it got distribution through moving images, and we presented at the WAM, Wide Angle Media Festival, um, at the Roundhouse in 2012. And a week later, my mother went into the short-term assessment treatment center in the hospital, and she didn't return to me. And so she was there for a year before she passed, and then so I'd visit her every day. So in a, that was the, the last project then that Mom and I worked on together because she was out there at 5 a.m. with me recording the birds in Jericho Beach, right? We had a great friendship, you know, and, and we'd have a lot of laughter. She was taking care of me as a child, and then, you know, I was really taking care of her with the dementia. I wanted to call it something like uh, my mother's song, and then... Was he the camera operator or 
because I asked him, my mom, what is dementia about? And she said, patience and absurdity. And he said, that's the name. That's the name. And I, I, I had to think of what she meant by that. And it's like, we have to be patient with her. She has to be patient with herself with dementia. And it's absurd. I used to always know how to make a cup of tea. Why don't I now? My sister said it was so sad when mom asked her, are you my daughter or my niece? It broke her heart. I can't imagine, you know, like my mom said, you know, well, I'm kind of new to it. These days, Sylvia is busy working on a soundscape portrait of Russell Wallace, an acclaimed composer, producer, and singer from the Lillooet First Nation. The project is pushing her boundaries while revisiting familiar territory, namely the inspiring duality of pain and beauty. I'm learning more from composing that piece as well, which to me feels really big because it's not only a soundscape portrait of him, but I'm carrying forth some of the music that his mother wished to record before she passed away because she wanted the traditional songs to be heard. And I want to begin with his mother's voice. She has this beautiful song, um, maybe starting with her, her voice in the rain. I'm recognizing that I'm five years older than him grown up in a very similar area of town and the difference in our upbringing, oh my God, it's quite extreme, you know. His family and his children and his great-grandfather, they stolen from their land, stolen from their traditions. So I started to do an intensive um, study this summer, so now I'm still in the middle of it, and it's quite exciting and wonderful. So I will weave his story of, you know, being born. Yeah, I'll just weave all of his speaking with his music, and um, I hope that this will represent him well and the larger story, maybe. Um, you know, because his music touches on so many things. I mean, the beautiful sounds, but also the pain, you know. And so it will pass through many, many places places on that journey of sound as you listen, right? At the end of our interview, Sylvia reflects on her own journey of sound. Despite all that she's lost, she's gained so much more. Her cup isn't just half full. It's overflowing. Instead of going out there and playing a song for people who weren't really interested or really weren't listening, I was in the studio and I was making art again. Like I remembered when somebody asked me what did I want to be when I grew up. It was like an artist. I wanted to be in the studio. So I was painting with sound rather than color. And sound is so, so moving. It's, it's beautiful and it's hurtful. And so art, music really gave me an understanding of the world, an understanding of myself in the world. It just gives me a purpose, a meaning, um, and joy. It really gives me joy to create these pieces. Like the joy I can't even describe. It's fulfilling. It's, it's just, I love working in the sound, going, okay, well, this matters to me and this intrigues me. Why do certain pieces of Russell's 
hit me. It might be because of context, and it might be the, the way he panned the sound. It's, it's so many layers, and so I weave many voices of many people. And what I'm doing, it feels important, but it, it could go on a shelf and nobody would ever hear it. You can't know what you do when you create something as an artist, how it will have an effect or not have an effect or anything. It's I'm having fun. If people enjoy what I do, then that gives me a, a great feeling of happiness. That's our show. Check back on our Podbean page at arthealspodcast.podbean.com for new episodes that can open your mind about the healing powers of art. Art Heals is based in Vancouver, British Columbia, but we'd love to connect wherever you are. If you know of someone working at the intersection of arts and mental health, let us know. Our email address is arthealspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think of the show and how you found us. Art Heals is produced by Earl Peach, writing and direction by Serena Renner, design and distribution by Laurence Richard, and I'm your host, Elaine Joe. Until next time, remember this quote from French artist Georges Braque, Art is a wound turned into light. <laughs> <laughs>